Someone once said that liars can figure, but figures can't lie. Well, we're going to talk about a very cruel arithmetic next on Polygamy. What love is this? Now, we all know that there are many things wrong with polygamy, and we could spend hours and hours and days, actually. In we fact, have. we have. <laughs> Discussing each point of how polygamy is harmful and destructive. And we can certainly prove from the Bible that polygamy is not commanded by God, instead is against his will. The polygamists will use the Bible to defend polygamy while at the same time state they don't trust the Bible. Um, but that's interesting. And as we go through today's discussion, it's going to be based on a book uh, that was written by someone who was involved with a Canadian um, case uh, a few years ago, whether or not polygamy was uh, a constitutional or unconstitutional. Uh, the book is entitled A Cruel Arithmetic Inside the Case Against Polygamy. <clears throat> it was written by Craig Jones. And like I said, he was the lead counsel for the attorney yeah. general in British Columbia uh, during the court trial of whether or not to prohibit polygamy. The case lasted almost two years, and there were 44 actual days of trial, which is really quite a long trial yeah, for anything. Is. And there were more than 100 witnesses who wow. came and testified. And we've got some of those witnesses, uh, by the way, some of those recorded on our website, shieldandrefuge.org. Uh, the decision of the Chief Justice of uh, the Supreme Court at the end of the trial consisted of 300 and 57 pages of explanation. Mm. And it was a big and an important legal challenge. And the conclusion was to keep polygamy illegal. We quote from the inside back cover of the book. A cruel arithmetic describes how the author's own views evolved from skepticism to a committed belief in the campaign against polygamy. This book is also an invitation to Canadians across political, philosophical, and religious spectrums to exercise their curiosity, approach the issue with an open mind, and follow along as the evidence converges to its powerful and surprising conclusion. Now, there's entirely too much information in this book that we can't possibly cover at all. It's a nice big book. It's a good book. Uh, very full of information. <clears throat> but if you want all the information, then you'll need to either buy the book or go to your library and check it out. Sarah. But it, if you're interested in this, I'm sure that you'll find it worthwhile. If you want to find out what it says about the arithmetic of polygamy from a secular viewpoint, not even from a religious viewpoint. But uh, this should at least give you enough information to understand why keeping polygamy illegal is constitutional in the Canadian realm and uh, is actually a safety measure yeah. uh, for women and children who are born and raised in polygamy and have no voice concerning their lives. We also want to mention, <clears throat> excuse me, that this involves a polygamy group in British Columbia, Canada, in a town called Bountiful. Now, Bountiful is also the name of a town just north of Salt Lake City. And, and the Utah city of Bountiful is where the Kingston polygamy group began. Where you were. That's the, which yeah. is the group I'm from. Right. And, uh, but the FLDS group in Bountiful, Canada, is not the same as the Kingston group in Bountiful, Utah. Right. So anyway, Good to clarify it's just that, need to clarify it, yeah. About the cruel arithmetic, <clears throat> we quote what the author said about the phrase on page 107. 
I was going to have to convince a judge who probably began from the same civil libertarian, libertarian position as I did that the harms we associated with polygamy were actually caused by polygamy because otherwise this ran up against the standard retort. If child brides are the problem, that's separate from polygamy. Ban children brides if you like, but let the polygamist be. I can remember precisely when my view of polygamy and the prospects for upholding the law changed, quite literally overnight. Daphne Bramham, The Secret Lives of Saints, a book about the polygamists of Bountiful, <clears throat> focused on child brides and lost boys. Bramham had a striking turn of phrase, polygamy's cruel arithmetic, when she used to describe, which she used to describe, the imperative in religious communities to somehow dispose of excess males, to thin the competitive pool for women and girls. I was rereading Bramham's book when I had one of those moments where I might actually have slapped a palm to my forehead in a dawn of comprehension. <laughs> Just, oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, now I get it. And this is the cruel arithmetic about polygamy in any society and any belief system in any country. Polygamy creates a demand for more females than any community or society can support, yeah. can supply. The conclusion is obvious. Rid themselves of the males who would be competing for the brides and target younger and younger girls as the supply of females diminish. Now, this is a very cruel arithmetic, mm. and we must add a system of which God is not the author. The, uh, the author of the book was concerned that academic writers in the past had previously looked at only the harms that arose out of polygamous marriages instead of the harms that polygamy caused in the entire community. Yeah. Now, these academics concluded that banning polygamous marriages was unconstitutional, but laws could be written to apply to bad polygamous marriages and solve the problems. But, he says, their conclusions were inadequate because the cruel arithmetic which targeted girls and the increased criminal activities of the men affected the entire polygamous society, he explains. On page 110, other things followed from the cruel arithmetic. The shortage of women would increase their value as a reproductive source, resource, and men and women both would struggle to exert control over that commodity. Men in polygamous societies needed to recruit girls. They needed to make them compliant, obedient, and accepting of the otherwise rather odious idea of marriage to much older men. So control over women and girls would be a crucial element of any polygamous system. And how true, yeah. how true that statement yeah. is. He writes about Harold Blackmore, who was the founder of the polygamy group in Bountiful, Canada, that he did not understand that it was polygamy itself that led to the crimes, the brainwashing and the sexual exploitation of young girls that it was not a perversion of the faith that caused the problems, but it was polygamy that caused the problems. Now, we agree that these perversions were caused by polygamy, but their faith is based on doctrine that opposes God's revealed plan of marriage. And we must also compare this statements with the Bible where God prohibits polygamy because it would draw people away from the truth of God, which is exactly what it did then and still does. We quote. 
from De- Deuteronomy 17:17 17, 17, it says, "The king must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray." See, his yeah. heart will be led astray. Okay, and and. His heart would be led astray from the only true God and the revealed will of God. And now Craig Jones, the author of this book, related from a secular viewpoint that polygamy led to the brainwashing and the exploitation of females. He's not coming from a biblical conclusion or that God instituted monogamy, yet he did come to the same conclusion found in the Bible. Another great passage from the Bible to support this. From 1 Kings 11, 2 through 6. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as his father, as David his father had done. So sad. King, <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. King David uh, was Solomon's polygamous father. Sure. And he never participated in idolatry. We just read where Solomon did because of his wives. His polygamy was halted. King David's polygamy was halted when another son tried to take his kingdom away from him and raped his plural wives on the roof of his palace. David repented. He put away his wives. He took no more plural wives. And that is why, why God said that David followed him completely because he repented. And he had never been involved with idolatry. Hmm. A special note, the Bible never describes polygamy groups or polygamous communities in Israel or Arab, any other place like the Mormon fundamentalists of today. Not a restoration. <laughs> not a restoration. David was not the leader of a polygamy group. Neither was Solomon. <laughs> they were all individuals. Now, the, the author of this book maintains that as a result of this cruel arithmetic, polygamy could not endure through the generations without abuse. In general, uh, the FLDS polygamous men were not marrying 14-year-old girls because they were evil men even though some of them clearly were very evil men, but they were marrying little girls because they'd run out of women. Mm. He writes that polygamists weren't controlling girls and women because their religion compelled them to, but because women had become a scarce resource and so was a valuable commodity. Mm. So the men exploited whatever power they had, religious and economic, mental and physical, to retain control over his females. Now, we disagree that their religion doesn't compel them to oppress women. Mormon polygamy and Mormonism itself is a highly controlling patriarchal religion with built-in doctrines of control over their females. He maintains that there's a definite close connection between polygamy and patriarchy. In polygamous societies, the individual polygamous men will always have many more children than the individual plural wife. Of course. (laughs) So they invest more heavily in the male child than in the female because he can have more children. And that's their commodity, you know, grow, expand. Mm -hmm. 
Now, throughout history, of course, and again, this goes back to the God thing that we did on our mm-hmm. last show, because the more children you have, the more people you have to people your God, your worlds when right. you become a God. Right. So it's a big deal to have all these kids. Yeah. Now, throughout history, the wealthier men would have more wives and more mistresses or concubines and so on. Uh, so the advantage of being a male is compounded with a corresponding deficient of females. It is a cruel arithmetic. <laughs> and most polygamous societies do give some of the males a better chance for resources and education, tension to their health and other aspects of their lives. So we quote from page 112. So girls in a polygamous society will be truly in a bad way, undereducated, less healthy, the sexual targets of much older men, bartered as commodities among families in the community, without inheritance or control of their own marriage and reproductive prospects and so forth. In this way, the entire system of the FLDS, its indoctrination of grooming of girls, expulsion of boys, mismatched marriages, everything could most usefully be viewed as a system evolved in the service of polygamy's simple economics. In this sense, as I would later say in my arguments to the court, Bountiful didn't create polygamy. Polygamy created Bountiful. True. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's true. And it's the same way with, with Colorado City and Hilldale, Utah. Yeah. It's polygamy that created that. Yes, of course. Um, now, he made the statement that until and unless they can attack the root cause, the disadvantages to girls will continue to work their harms. That only if the environment can be changed and the structure for shame favoring boys over girls, there can never really be a shot at equality. Now, to some extent, we agree with this statement, especially from the secular viewpoint. But according to what he and others see as the root cause and those who approach polygamy outside of the religious mandate, they will never recognize or understand the root cause. Mm. Therefore, they will never be able to equalize male and female in religious polygamy groups. So being a secular government, being a secular court, and that's the same here in America as it is in Canada, they will never be able to truly affect the change they are seeking. Child brides and lost boys and all the other abuses will remain as the tragic results of their inability to really discover the answer. At the end of the day, the answer is only in the will of God himself because the foundation for Mormon polygamy is in section 132 of the Mormon Doctrine and Covenants, where God commands polygamy and threatens to destroy the females who aren't compliant. The Mormon command is polygamy. The biblical command is monogamy. The command not to commit adultery is rooted in the first marriage in the Bible, and that was in monogamy. But as great as this book is, uh, The Cruel Arithmetic and other academic investigations and publications, none of them even come close to the reality of the religious aspect Mormon polygamous societies are based upon. Live polygamy or suffer eternal hell. They try to solve religious crimes with secular ideas, and it won't work. Truth is the only antidote. He writes that their legal case was built around harm, harm to the people, or harm to religious freedom. We quote. 
Yeah, page 281, the idea that freedom of religion authorizes religious practices only so far as they do not injure others has been abandoned by the Supreme Court of Canada in favor of an unqualified right to do anything that is dictated by a religious belief. And that's the, I, that's yeah. the, the attitude of the polygamists. Yeah. And likewise, in Reynolds versus the United States in 1879, the court ruled like this. The court concluded that people cannot excuse themselves from the law because of their religion. Can a man excuse his illegal practices because of his religious belief? To permit this would be to, to make the professed doctrines of religious belief superior to the law of the land and in effect to permit every citizen to become a law unto himself. That was early Mormonism. Yeah, for sure. And, and President Thomas Jefferson wrote that the law can read actions only and not opinions. In other words, a person's beliefs or opinions cannot be subject to any law. The government can rightfully regulate, regulate what people do, not what they believe. Freedom of religion does not include the freedom to break the law. Now, this book has a section entitled Polygamy's Hidden Crimes. Mm. And an argument came out uh, that laws should be written more strictly to enforce the exploitation, child brides and trafficking, and the erosion of the rights of women and children. However, he, he correctly concluded that stricter laws can only be affected if the crimes are reported. Yeah. And when it comes to polygamy groups, crimes are rarely reported. Yeah, from page 247 and 248. At trial, every expert witness who was asked the question confirmed that even outside closed and insular religious communities, crimes within the family are severely underreported, especially crimes against children. Thus, permitting an activity, polygamy, that will increase harm, including criminal harm, against children or women cannot be supported on the basis that the harm can be adequately addressed through enforcement of other laws. It simply cannot. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly right. Now, the FLDS Bishop Oler of Bountiful Canada, he testified in an affidavit in all instances that FL, where FLDS members are suspected of a crime, that the suspected crime, suspected crime was, was reported. reported. <laughs> but <laughs> Oler himself had taken a 15-year-old child bride and had given his own teenage daughter in a wedding performed by Warren Jeffs. He had also trafficked at least two other teenage girls from Canada to the United States to be married by Jeffs. These were crimes and they were not reported oh, like he claimed they had been. He lied. It's impossible to, to trust the polygamists to tell on themselves, and the legal authority who believes that they will is either self-deceived <laughs> or turns a blind eye to their duplicity. Now, Canadian law makes it an offense for a parent or a guardian to procure their child for the purpose of engaging in any sexual activity prohibited by their code. Yeah, Craig Jones writes, in other words, parents who give up a child to be exploited can be held criminally responsible. And so might the other adult members of the household that receives the child as a celestial bride. Mm, again, if this was enforced, it would be a different story. Right. Now, many people believe that if the women and the mothers were held liable when they gave their daughters away to old polygamous men, the child brides might become less frequent. Actually... 
when law is enforced, there is more fear in people against breaking the law in the future. Hmm. Right? Well, this was first communicated to us by God. Why do it take so long for us to learn what God's already told us? Ecclesiastes (laughs) 8.11, When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. (laughs) Isn't that true? And this has been proven to be true over and over again concerning the crimes against women and children in polygamy. He then relates the same problem as it was discovered at the YFZ FLDL, FLDS compound in Texas. Yeah, on page 249, he writes, that raid, that raid found 12 marriages of children between, <clears throat> between 12 and 15 years old, 12 prosecutions for child sexual assault and for other crimes, scores of perpetrators of relate, related abuses. And again, no member of the community ever reported these facts to the authorities, and the closed and insular nature of the compound ensured that they weren't known outside. In fact, not only were they not reported, they were denied when, when some of these abuses were sure, discovered. Sure. Uh, it wasn't reported by the Bountiful community when three young girls, ages 12 and 13 uh, years old, were shipped south uh, to marry the FLDS prophet in the United States. Now, he said it would be a nice idea to think that the harms of polygamy would be brought into light through decriminalization. But, he said, there's no reason to believe this would happen. Their communities are designed to insulate, isolate themselves in order to hide their crimes and abuses. On another note, the problem of the lost boys is a tragic aspect of the cruel arithmetic that this book addresses. He quotes FLDS historian Benjamin Bisline. The birth ratio of boys to girls among the polygamists is the same as it is anywhere in the world, pretty much one boy to one girl. If one man has even two wives, then some boy in the society must not get married. The doctrine of the polygamists is that a man must have at least three wives to reach the highest degree of heaven. The perceived importance of a man goes up by the number of wives he has. Thus, the ratio of wives to a man is important. Those in leadership positions have wives numbering into the tens. This causes a dilemma for the polygamous leaders what to do with the surplus of the boys. Mm. <laughs> and the, the older men are always in the marriage market. Yeah. Always. It's rare that a younger boy can successfully compete against the older male. And the older he is, the more wives he'll have as well. The FLDS dealt with this cruel arithmetic by expelling the excess boys while they were still young teenagers. One person testified that as far back as she could remember, young boys were excommunicated or sent away from the community. One boy and his brother were given $100 and a garbage bag filled with clothes. Many are instructed never to return and never attempt to contact their mother or siblings again. Now, many end up on drugs, some victims of suicide. Mm. Others are completely unhinged because they're thrust into an unknown world outside of polygamy. One attempt to evade the problem of this cruel arithmetic is described on page 261. Yeah, I guess not hard to believe, but it's sad. It is very sad. According to one of the FLDS's anonymous witnesses, the mathematical problem doesn't arise because boys in the community engage in high-risk activities or jobs, they're simply killed off. 
Isn't that awful? <laughs> Terrible. Isn't that awful? I've seen a lot of hard-heartedness come from the minds of polygamists and group members, but I believe this is one of the most tragic. Mm. Polygamy groups must expel young boys and continue to marry younger and younger girls and recruit more girls, which they often refer to as new blood, or eventually they'll fade into non-existence. One Kingston spokesperson said, after being asked the question of their incest, that they needed to marry their cousins and their siblings <laughs> because if they didn't, they would cease to exist. Yeah. Isn't that awful? Folks, this arithmetic is not God's arithmetic. In 1 Corinthians 7.2, it specifically says that each man should have his own wife and each wife should have her own husband. That's God's arithmetic. And it's called monogamy. So there's a lot more in this book that we, of course, haven't got time to cover. Um, but we do suggest that you get the book or check it out of the library and read it. There's probably continual pressure on governments and, and law uh, people to, uh, to approve polygamy, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the argument, again, that uh, we're a free per person and we should be able to do what we want to do. And it, it's only affecting me and my partner mm -hmm. or partners. But that's not true. It that's affects not. so many others. It does. And, and I see that all the time, especially with comments on media, on social media, where, yeah. well, polygamy should be okay. It's just between the two of them. There's, there mm -hmm. should be, if, if, they, if they choose to do it, they should be able to do it. Like well, what about the kids? Programs. Yeah. What about the kids? They don't, I wasn't, I didn't choose to be born in a polygamy group. Right. I didn't choose to be in their abuse and under their shame techniques in order to become a plural wife. Mm. Um, so it affected me and my siblings and all my cousins, and, you know, so many kids that polygamy groups produce. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty, it's, it's a, it is a cruel arithmetic. And they do have to, uh, some of the groups will, instead of kicking the boys out, they'll just turn them into drones. Mm -hmm. uh, you stay in the group. You won't be able to ever get married, but stay in the group and work for the Lord, and he will bless you when you get on the other side. So wow. it's, sad. it's sad, very sad. And then at the same time, they teach you have to be married in order to get to heaven. Yeah. Isn't that awful? Oh, that's true. Yeah. What about those poor boys? Huh? Mm -hmm. So they, they're suffering through contradictions that their <laughs> mind can't. They can't comprehend. Thanks, Earl. Well, I'm glad Canada <laughs> got it right. I, yeah, they did get it right. I wish the, I wish Utah would or yeah, the United at States. At least enforce it, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, so much can be said about polygamy, its harms and its unbiblical basis and the oppression under which it uh, forces the women and children to live. But the bottom line is that they have changed the good news of Jesus Christ into the bad news of what they call the new and everlasting covenant. Jesus is the Savior. He came to save. If polygamy could save, we wouldn't need Jesus. If polygamy helped to save us, then we would be our own Savior. But Jesus alone is the Savior. He saves us all by himself. And he gives us eternal life to all who will repent and enter into his narrow way to life. He tells us today is the day of salvation. We pray today is your day of salvation. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org. 
or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.